Hey, it's your bestie Lo. Welcome to Thrive with Lois, the podcast dedicated to helping you become the best version of yourself and to thrive in all areas of your life. You're here because you want to grow inside and out. So are you ready? Let's thrive together. Today, I am joined by a very special guest, a friend of mine and a campaigner for women's rights, women's safety, but also for people struggling with eating disorders. She is also a campaigner for people struggling with endometriosis. While she has been campaigning for more awareness for endometriosis, she's also been struggling with the condition herself. So, Bex. Hi. What an introduction. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming here today. You've come a long, long way. Yeah, just from the Middle East. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) just from the Middle East. Just, you know, cash. And we haven't seen each other in a couple of years now, have we? It's crazy. It doesn't feel like it. Like, honestly, like every time we meet up, it's just like, yeah, it feels like I saw you like last month or something. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, Yeah. it's so, so nice. But yeah, thank you so much because I know that you've you've only got two weeks in London, isn't it? Yeah. And one of your mornings, you've come to see me. You're worth it. And the pod. (laughs) so much thank you so I would love for you to tell everyone a little bit more about yourself what it is that you're really passionate about um what you're currently doing nice so by day um I work in marketing um for an international fashion brand and then I guess by night and kind of one of my hobbies which is I guess a bit of a niche hobby um is activism so um you know as as you said briefly in the introduction um I, as a woman, have been affected by quite a lot of like health conditions um, that are quite like misconstrued and difficult to get diagnoses for um, and quite misunderstood by society. Um, That's informed a lot of my work um, as someone that's experienced these things. Um, So something I'm kind of really passionate about raising awareness for. um, And yeah, I just think the more we speak about these things, the better people are educated and the more we can do about it. So that's kind of what drove me I guess to get into activism in the first place that's really really cool I think you're doing amazing work and for as long as I have known you you've always been passionate about campaigning and helping others like you've always had something (laughs) that's been going on you know (laughs) um which I think is so admirable considering that it's been really really tough for you defo yeah you know really (laughs) tough yeah and obviously, you know, now having having your diagnosis of endometriosis and going through that, you know, journey of not knowing what it was to having a diagnosis to that acceptance. And, you know, I've really seen that journey yep. from knowing you. Yes. You know. Yeah, yeah. So when you was, obviously you're diagnosed with endometriosis now. Yeah. Let's take you back to pre-diagnosis yeah what were the symptoms that you experienced when you didn't know what it was so um I first got my symptoms at uh, the age of 11 so this was actually before I even got my period um it was just before and this is another I think misconception about endo that often you the pain is just completely associated with your periods um you can get pain around your periods some people like myself you know i've learned since my diagnosis can even get uh pain before they start their period um so i was 11 
um, and um, I sing as well. And I was in the middle of a concert and I was in so much pain and I literally passed out mid-performance, like in the middle of this concert oh. <laughs> onto someone else. So um, yeah, it was pretty dramatic, um, but it was a lot of like cramping, um, really, really bad pain. I was sweating and I just completely passed out. And then this started to be more of a reoccurring thing for me. So I passed out quite a few times. Um, and then I did get my period. I think I was about 12 or 13 when I got my period. Um, and from the start periods were quite painful. But, um, you know, when you're taught about these things, people say sometimes your periods can be uncomfortable, sometimes they can be painful. So I just kind of thought like, oh, maybe this is just what it's like having periods, mm -hmm. that this just might be what it's like. Um, but kind of as it went on, you know, I was passing out more and it was actually affecting my ability to sing, to do the things I like, to perform. I started to get quite a lot of performance anxiety after what happened because I thought oh my gosh what if I suddenly get this pain I'm going to pass out so eventually I said to my mum I think like I would like to go see a doctor and talk about it because I'm struggling I'm in pain um, and the first experience I had of this was um, I remember going to the doctors and it had been like the, maybe the fifth time this this incident happened I was in I was in excruciating pain to the point where I couldn't even walk. Like my mum had to half carry me into the GP. Um, and she told my mum I was making my pain up so I could miss school. So that was my first experience, no. yeah. She looked at me, she was like, there's nothing wrong with her. Like there's there's literally nothing wrong, nothing going on. I didn't have my period at the time. She said, maybe this is a, this is a her problem and she wants to miss school. Um, and I'm, you know me, I'm quite an A-type person. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I throw myself into things and, you know, I really loved singing. I really loved school. And, um, you know, at the time it was, that was really tough. Um, so that was my first experience. And then as kind of the years went on a little bit, um, I started to get um, IBS type symptoms. Um, so I had problems like with food, like after I ate, ate I felt quite like bloated, um, had all these these issues. So I went in and then they just said, oh, well, it's probably just IBS and gave me some kind of tablets to to help with that. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was my, I guess that was my early experiences with it. Um, and you know, when, you, when you're young, you know, you're a kid and you're told the doctor's telling you, oh, you're making it up. And then someone else is like, oh, it's just IBS. You internalize it and you start to think, okay, maybe uh, this is just in my head. Maybe I'm just randomly like my brain is making this pain up and it's not valid so you know and I think a lot of a lot of women go through that especially as 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 young young women and teenagers um because endo is very much seen as something that you struggle with in your 20s or 30s when you're trying to get pregnant and not enough is spoken about actually painful periods and how that affects you at school and and from a from a young age you know that has a big impact on your life it's it is shocking. You'd think like you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't expect that from a doctor. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, I think, again, it's it's the system is not. I mean, I don't know when you if you had this when you're at school, but I, I think a lot of my friends have had it as well. When you talk about periods for the first time and you say, um, for example, like, OK, we're going to talk about periods. The girls stay in the room. The boys go somewhere else. And they just speak to the girls about periods. Yeah. I don't know if you had that. Boys leave the room and we're going to talk to the girls about periods. But I think that's been a lot of people's experience. So from a young age, we're taught that, oh, it's kind of taboo thing. And, 
oh, it's a girl's problem. So men aren't involved in that conversation from the start. Um, so they they don't learn early on about the impact that it has on a woman's life. And by this, I'm not blaming men as individuals. I'm blaming the system because we're not set up properly. Like, I don't know how, you know, you, again, I think a lot of people have this, but, you know, thinking if I said to the listeners now, how would you feel about sitting down with your male boss and talking about your period or talking mm-hmm. about period pain, you'd probably think, oh God, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure how much he knows about these things. And I'm not sure how comfortable I feel because we're taught that from an early age. And this also seeps into medical school as well. Um, a lot of doctors are taught that unless a woman wants to get pregnant and you know this, this is where the issue is, it's about getting pregnant, but actually we need to flip the script and say it's about pain and women's lives you know not just women people assigned female at birth you know because a lot of people in the lgbtq community who struggle with this they don't even want to think about having kids and straight people as well like for me i didn't think about having kids back then i'm 12 13 (laughs) that's not what i need to think about it's the pain but they don't see that as a big enough problem to take seriously and this is where this attitude of or maybe it's in your head or whatever or it doesn't matter kind of stems from stems from very early on so yeah have you experienced any other kind of skepticism from gps or anybody else like family members yeah i think definitely i think when my mum was there at that appointment she was kind of starting to question but you would because it's a professional um and yeah i guess as i kind of went along my diagnosis um path um i think yeah, I had a, a big turning point where um, it was at university. So I've been coping with this for quite a few years um, and I collapsed in the street and my heart rate went down to 27 beats per minute. This was when I knew you and you was prepping yep. for that bodybuilding. It was when I was prepping. Yep. Yeah, my body was just like, no, I can't do this. I'm in pain. I'm, I'm you know, I put my body under so much stress on top of my undiagnosed endo. Um, and I was two weeks out for my competition at the time. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, two weeks out. I was almost at the finishing line. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just, my body was just like, no, I'm not doing this. Collapsed in the street. My heart rate went down to 27 BPM. I got put in the back of an ambulance, injected with atropine, which like gets your heart going again. And um, yeah, in the back of the ambulance, luckily I wasn't too far from my uni place. Um and they said, do you want to call a friend or something? So I passed them my phone and said, call my friend who's luckily at home. She got in the back of the ambulance. And on the way to the hospital, they were like, yeah, we've not seen anyone with this heart rate live. <laughs> it's gone this low. And I was like, wow, great, thanks. <laughs> I was like sat there half conscious, like, oh my God. And I was like, all right, something's like seriously, seriously wrong. Um, and I went to my back to my GP and I was like, listen, I've been dealing with this pain now for like 10 years and I've pretty much almost died. Like, please help me. And even then they they referred me to the NHS. They diagnosed me with what they thought was polycystic ovary syndrome at the time, which I actually don't have. And then I went to finally see a gynecologist. I was like, yes, I'm like seeing someone that can help me with all these heavy periods and this pain and everything. And she looked at me and she said, maybe... This was a few months on after my bodybuilding and I regained a little bit of weight. She said, oh, have you tried losing weight? I was and like, that was what? a gynecologist? And that was a gynecologist who said, have you tried losing weight? It's probably PCOS. And I was like, I, have you looked at my notes? I have a history of eating disorders, yeah. you know. Um, and then she said, well, with your pain, I'm not sure what that is and discharged me. 
So this had been going on for 10 years of going to doctors and, and you saying... And that moment, I that need... glimmer of hope, and you were yep. like, yes, I'm going to a gynecologist. Finally, yeah. And then to just be yep. like, wow. And you would think that they would know and they would refer you and they would, you know, help. But unfortunately, and my experience is not... It's not a niche experience. You know, it took me 11 years to get diagnosed. And I actually paid in the end to go privately and have a scan. And immediately in the scan, they said, your left ovary is stuck. There's something there. We can see it. We think it's endometriosis. We need to operate. And that was the moment. But it took me paying to go private, which is a massive privilege as well. I had at the time, I literally saved up and I was like, this is, I have to see someone. I have to do something at this point. But my experience is not... A niche experience, you know, it, on average, it takes eight years to get an endometriosis diagnosis because of all this pushback from doctors and thinking, oh, you know, is it really that painful? Are you making a fuss? It's a women's problem. How heavy really is your period? You know, how much does it affect your life? Um, and I think given my experience, you know, my advice, my advice to anyone who's struggling with painful periods, who's who's gone to the doctor like 10 times, go to GP surgery say, I would like to see a different doctor. You are completely in your right to do it. Ask to see a different doctor and go in and have an A4 paper or a notepad and write down your symptoms, when they started, how long, how much it affects your life, how long for, and read it out to the doctor. Say, I want a referral to a gynecologist. Like, this is really affecting my life and go from there. And I wish someone had told me that advice at the start because rather than going in every time and seeing like maybe different GPs and going around and them looking at my notes a little bit and it being a really messy process you know if you go down with with this and state the facts and say I want to see a gynecologist like they pretty much have to refer you say I think it's endometriosis got really painful periods you know xyz there's also some really good resources on endometriosis UK um if anyone is experiencing painful periods and they can help you in getting appointments because this is the sticking point for most women you have to like mm. advocate for yourself you have to know where to go which is awful, really. You'd think, oh, I'd, if I want to go to yeah. doctor, I've, I'm having pain, you'd help me. But unfortunately, it's often not the case. You have to really fight to have your voice heard and, and get that appointment. Well, well done you for continuing to fight and, you know, going down that route. Because, I mean, sorry, did you say it was 11 years? Yeah, 11 years. 11 years, years. yeah. Lot, 11 yeah. <laughs> years to get a diagnosis yeah. wow such a you know when you think of it it's such a long time and yeah you know back and forth back and forth not knowing what it is going through that pain dealing yeah. from dealing with it on a day-to-day -day basis how did you feel when you got diagnosed I remember um it was like so I went to see this private doctor and when I was on the basically table having an ultrasound he was like I'm I'm very very sure that this is endometriosis I just burst into tears because I felt relief it was like finally there is something there that's actually happening and I'm not being told this is in your head because 11 years of people saying like it's in your head or we're not sure it was really mentally draining. So I was, it was just relief. And initially it was just like, thank God there's actually something wrong with me and that what I've been feeling about my body is is right, is true. Do you think, did you kind of end up feeling as though there wasn't anything wrong, like you was making it up? Did you feel yeah, that way? absolutely. And I, I now know, obviously after my activism and my research, that what I went through is something called medical gaslighting. 
is when you're constantly told by medical professionals that you are fine, that you're making a fuss, that it's in your head. It's, it's an actual term called medical gaslighting. And this is, again, a big barrier for women to get a diagnosis because... And yeah, you. I mean, gaslighting is a really serious thing on any level in a relationship and, and any other means. Um, and I didn't realise what kind of had happened to me. Um, so yeah, that was, it was a lot. <laughs> so yeah, it was just, you know, it was just a relief basically to get that diagnosis in the end. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine. Because yeah, throughout our friendship, I do remember you kind of saying to me oh I've got this diagnosis now or they've said it might be this or yeah. it might be that and I know there was a lot of toing and yeah. throwing you know in, in hospitals and yeah. you know um, operations and, and things yeah. like that and investigations so it sounds so mentally mentally draining yeah. so to to go through something like that and to now be raising awareness and helping other women and you know it's just amazing to see that journey for you thank you and I think the the reason why I'm really passionate about it is because you know I wish that I'd I'd heard the terms like medical gaslighting or known that it was like a normal thing for it to take well it shouldn't be a normal thing but it's like a, a shared experience for it to take so long to get that diagnosis because it would have really helped me mentally as well and I think that's so important when you're going through like a chronic illness and getting that diagnosis mm. so how did receiving a diagnosis have an impact on your mental and your physical well-being like how did that change your life moving yeah. forward is there anything that you've kind of had to alter now yeah. or definitely I mean since I had my diagnosis I've had three surgeries three keyhole surgeries so that in itself is a big disruptor um because you have to take time off work you have to adjust um and as you know, like I, I love the gym. I love weightlifting. And, you know, I, I really like um, from a young age, I've done like tennis and that kind of stuff and just being always really physically active. So that was quite challenging because, you know, you do have to consider that you are you are someone who does have a chronic illness and you can't just have this like this. this I'm going to keep on pushing my body until I literally physically hurt or you know there's a lot of I know you're probably aware of this rhetoric in the gym industry about like go hard or go home and you know, really push yourself and this is just not you have to accept this is just not something for me this is not something my body can do if I want to live a life and I want to have you know other things going on so that was a big adjustment because obviously I'd just gone from uh, prepping for a bodybuilding competition to then like literally a few weeks later going in for surgery um and then having to just readjust my my lifestyle I guess to think all right I know I have this now how am I going to live the fullest life and how am I going to try and like minimize my flare-ups and chronic fatigue so I think something that people don't speak about the condition enough with is chronic fatigue you get really tired and that's not um you know, if you maybe have a late one or, you know, you stay out or you go on a night out, it's not the feeling that you wake up and you think, oh, I'm tired, but I'll have a nap and I'll feel better. Mm. It's something that you sleep and you sleep and you rest and you rest and you just, it just keeps, you just feel tired all the time. You feel like you've run a marathon, like physically. So obviously that's not compatible sometimes with waking up at 7am or 6am or 5am before work and smashing out a workout when you feel like that. Um, and initially I felt kind of really 
you know, that was a really tough change for me. Um, but at the end of the day, you just have to think, I have to do my best and what's best with my body. And some people aren't going to understand and that's okay. Um, and it's okay to slow down. It doesn't make you any less of a person or, or you know, any less of an achiever. You know, you can achieve things and do things in different ways. Um, and I guess it in a weird way, like I think my relationship with exercise is a lot more healthy than it was before my diagnosis because I had to really tune into my body and think, how is this actually feeling for me? Not like, oh, I need to bash out these six workouts this week and eat my X off protein and, mm. you know, get this lean. And it was more like how getting up and doing a workout and thinking, how how does this feel for me? So, and that process takes a long time and a long time, you know, like mentally as well to get your head around. Um, but yeah, but I think you have to, after a while, put a positive spin on it and think, what else can I what can I do with my body rather than what can I not do? Um, and I think, yeah, a lot of rhetoric out there is quite ableist and it doesn't take into account how it is to be, to have a chronic illness or a disability in the gym. You know, some people mm. can't go hard or go home. Some people can't bash out X amount of workouts a week and that's okay. You have to do what feels right for your body and you're not any less for that. Mm. Admittedly, you know, I've definitely used that phrase before, yeah, yeah. you know, go hard or go I think home. everyone has. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I definitely yeah. did use it in my early days of yeah. training in my early yeah, 20s. Yeah. But yeah. as you said, you know, for somebody that has endometriosis, yeah. that's not the way to train exactly. like you've got to be in yeah. tune with how your body's feeling and you know adjust and be yeah. able to say okay I need to take a rest day today yeah. or maybe I'm going to go a little bit lighter on the weights which can be yeah. really really hard yeah someone like yourself you love training yeah. you you've had that like bodybuilding background which yeah, is very course. disciplined which is yeah. very you know push your push your body yeah but if it's a case of you're going to push your body and then you're going to be absolutely, you exactly. know, exhausted for like days and days and days on, and not be able to do anything, then, you know, you've got to ask yourself, is it is it worth it? Yeah. And also you have to think about, do I, is this the only thing I want to do with my life? Like there's this phrase that it's called, um, you're called a spoonie if you have a chronic illness. And it comes from this woman who made this concept that you have eight spoons in a day. So every time you do an activity, that's a spoon. So you have to choose your spoons. Right. And on some days, if I feel like really tired, I'm like, if I use this spoon, working out is going to cost me like five spoons. I'm going to have three spoons left. Do I want to see my friends later? Do I want to see my partner later? Do I want to go shopping later? Or do I just want to go out for a nice meal? I won't be able to do that if I use my spoons on a workout. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like we have to live. It's not just like, work and gym you know what I mean you have to have a life outside of that yeah um and I wish there were more trainers as well I think that's my experience with a few PTs they just didn't understand my body or they didn't listen to me telling them like I love working out but I have a chronic illness I can't do a cookie cutter program sometimes I might not be able to work out for two weeks but the next week I might be able to give you my 100% in the gym and go do like three, four sessions and be smashing them and be fine. And it's that inconsistency. I wish that like some trainers that I had before would have just understood rather than being like, oh, come on, like you did well last week. Why aren't you doing it this week or whatever? Yeah. And pushing me, I was like, oh God, like, and it makes you feel kind of even worse because mm -hmm. you're battling already with 
your own self and accepting this and then you have someone just like cracking the whip being like come Mm. on you're like I can't (laughs) and you'd express to those trainers that you were battling with a chronic yeah definitely um it's one of those things where I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around the the condition as well that people think it's just a bad period it's like oh you're on you're having your period all right Mm. I think we've got to that stage maybe where people are accepting that more but I think, yeah, with a lot of people with endo, you get pain outside your period um, and you get, especially people who have something called extra pelvic uh, endometriosis where it's actually outside your pelvis. Like I know one woman who has it on her brain who goes blind every time she has a period. I know a few women that have it on their lungs that get collapsed lungs. Like, if you get a collapsed lung, hun, you're not going to rocking up to the gym the week after. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh. So, yeah. Oh, I had no idea that it could show up in those yeah. ways. It's been found on every single organ in the body. And that's why it's really important if you do have painful periods to push for a diagnosis. And you might have a, not, a, lo- a lot of other unexplained symptoms um, that could also be down to endo mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Wow. Imagine this poor woman has it on her brain. Like, it's just, yeah. It's crazy. It's even bare thinking about. Wow, yeah. What a strong, strong woman. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever experienced kind of like gaslighting from friends? Has it ever caused any, I guess, I don't want to say drama, but have you ever had any falling out with friends or any misunderstandings with family where maybe you've had to like cancel plans or, yeah. you know, have you found that friends have been supportive or have friends not really understood I think yeah I'm really lucky now with um my support network I couldn't ask for more of them really they're very patient with me and they're really really supportive and I'm I'm just so grateful for that um because I know it's not the case for everyone but I have had I think especially during my early diagnosis you know when I was in my early 20s and people wanting me to go on nights out and you know not being able to make nights out and then people thinking oh maybe she's flaky or she doesn't want to come and you know I understand where that comes from because it's frustrating if you want to see someone or Mm. you've invited someone out like three or four times and they said no every time and I think that's really tough and you also hold a lot of guilt because you think oh I'm letting that person down um and I can't make it out and that was I think that was really hard and it took people quite a while to understand that I want to come. I really do. I want to go out. <laughs> I like, I love a sociable person. I love going out and stuff. And, but I just genuinely like can't genuinely too much pain. So I think that's been difficult. Um, I remember, yeah. us, I remember us being on nights out and you being in a, in quite a bit of pain. Yeah. I think I remember we like kind of went home. Yeah. Early. Probably, I was going to say it's probably happened multiple times. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's really good. You've got a support network that are, yeah there for you and understanding and you know able to kind of help you manage everything um what have you found has worked best for you in managing your symptoms on a day-to-day basis it's so difficult like i mean with women's health in general um and i should also add in like people that assign female at birth health as well because it's really important to include the trans community in this conversation um there's just not enough research done so actually when you do get your diagnosis you think oh yes I'm gonna have xyz to help me but um this is not to put a downer on it it's not all bad news you know there are some things you can try but there's there's not a lot in terms of um you know medical things you can do aside from surgeries to cut it out 
um and you can try hormone medications and you know i'm by all no i'm i'm by no means a medical professional but this is just from you know my experience and what's been offered to me you so you have surgeries you can have horm- hormonal um contraception and lots of other things like that that they can offer you um but there's no cure so ultimately it's like up to you how you want to manage it it's your body there's no cure for it you decide so I've tried all sorts of different things from like um you know I tried going vegan because I heard there was like hormones in in meat and stuff which actually didn't help me in the end I gave it a good shot and I've tried lots of other things but I think it's so boring but honestly the best thing is just sleeping when you need to chilling when you need to like keeping hydrated and just trying to reduce stress in your life because that's a trigger for me is is managing stress like when I am stressed I get more flare-ups um caffeine stress alcohol probably the three main triggers that I've identified um so obviously it's impossible to live a stress-free life um but for me I think when I've and I'm really burning a candle at both ends. I just have to think, all right, I might need to cancel a few plans here and there. Um, and surrounding yourself with people that, are, again, are okay with that. Um, and then obviously, I think diet, there's so many things out there about women's health and diets. I'm sure you're aware of some of them or what to eat, what yeah. not to eat as a woman. So I think everybody is just completely individual with that. Um, and I have endometriosis in my bowel as well. So you know, I have to try and, and manage that and adjust my diet accordingly, but that's individual to me and it'll be individual to every other woman with endo. Um, so yeah, I just think managing stress, keeping hydrated, sleep, not pushing your body to the limit is so hard. Like so many people with endo I know are like A-type people or, you know, women with painful periods or who struggle with their health in this way. They're, they're A-type people. They feel like they have to prove something because you know, the world is telling them that they're unreliable at work, they're an unreliable friend, they're unreliable here. So often you're just like, you know what, and I'm still guilty of doing this. I'm still trying to be better with it. You know, I'm going to push myself to the limit. I'm going to like do all this stuff and prove that I am this person. But I think the best way for managing your symptoms is for you to have that confidence and think, you know what, like I know what kind of person I am. I know my value with my friends, my family, my work, and I just need to like slow down (laughs) so it's all about as frustrating as it is sometimes just slowing down and just the basics of looking after yourself like it sounds really straightforward and boring and I wish I could say oh yeah you do this or (laughs) you you drink herbal tea or you drink tea from this like plant that's in I don't know the other side of the world (laughs) or something (laughs) like that's going to be some magic cure but we haven't you know we haven't got there yet so hopefully one day but Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers please. crossed. Hopefully. So all the scientists out there, if you're listening, like, please. <laughs> <laughs> please. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who is maybe, you know, they're, they're experiencing some symptoms and yeah. they're kind of, you know, thinking, oh, I might have endometriosis. What advice would you give to somebody who is currently struggling? Yeah. I think the first thing is you know your own body better than anyone else better than your mum better than a doctor better than any medical professional you've lived in your body longer than anyone else like the doctor doesn't live in your body no one else does so if you think that there's something wrong or this isn't normal 
you're probably right. <laughs> like 99.9%. I think before starting any journey to diagnosis, this is the single most important thing that you have that belief in yourself and you trust yourself securely because people are going to question you probably. I hope that they don't. <laughs> I hope that they help, but that is number one thing. And then I also think it's really important to talk to your friends about any symptoms you're experiencing or periods because there's a lot of women that don't realise that what they're experiencing is not normal until they have that conversation with their friends and their friends are like, oh, well, actually, my period's fairly regular. I might have the odd one that's a bit annoying, but... I'm not like vomiting every time or I'm not feeling like I have to pass out or it doesn't affect my work every time or whatever. So just talking to your friends as well can just help you get that validation um, that you need. So first one, yeah, you know your own body, you know your stuff, be confident in that, have a chat with friends and it's good to let your support network know that you're about to go and ask for help somewhere. And the next thing um, is what I said a little bit earlier. So make that list of symptoms that you've been experiencing. It'll be really clear for the doctor then as well. Write it down. Go in with that piece of paper and say, I've been experiencing XYZ symptom for XYZ long. It's impacting my life in this way. Go in and say, I think I have endometriosis. My symptoms are in line with, you know, it's always good to quote some organization or you know endometri endometriosis uk go on their website they've got a really good they've got really good support as well um in terms of when you get your diagnosis in that process and that yeah go from there say i want to see a gynecologist and and try and get an appointment from there i think that's the best thing you can do really um but endometriosis uk as well they have volunteers that you can chat to so if you do have like a bad appointment or you say, listen, I've been experiencing this, I think I have endo, they can advise you on what to do from there. And that's really helpful. And not a lot of people know about that. And that's a free resource. That's so a thousand percent have a chat. Even if you think, oh, my period's a bit painful, and a bit heavy, you know, it is annoying me, but I don't sound like, you know, someone else that's like collapsed. It's still valid. Mm. You don't have to like almost die to get help for God's sake. Yeah. Like if you're having a bad period that... A heavy period that's bleeding you're, you're bleeding through pads and stuff onto your clothes that's so disruptive like you know let's not forget about this stuff it's so annoying it's so disruptive like you deserve the help and you have to know that you deserve to live the best life and get your help are there any other support groups or resources that you would recommend yeah i think there's also um verity for for pcos so that's polycystic ovary syndrome um that can be if you're having like irregular periods, for example. Um, I was involved with them for, for a little bit of time. Um, so, yeah, I, I think in, in the UK, they're probably the best too if you're struggling. Um, and if not, they'll, you know, the volunteers with Endo UK are amazing um, and the advice you get there. So even if it's not Endo, you know, they'll be willing to help as well um, and suggest there. But, um, yeah, there's, there's so many resources. If you Google, like, endometriosis help or whatever so many things will come up but i'd say like endo endometriosis uk and verity for, for pcos are probably your two best places to start um because yeah there's it's a rabbit hole on the internet <laughs> you can look up so many things but those two charities are really really great i'll yeah. make sure that those are linked in the that bio for everybody to <laughs> i was gonna ask you that at the end there have we go. a little have a little look but yeah thank you so much for coming today sharing your experience sharing so much you know valuable insight and um it's been amazing to have you on the pod thank it's been you. so lovely Thanks so much. is there anything else that you would like to add before yeah. we wrap up the pod i just think 
yeah, if you're having problems, absolutely go for it. And just know that if you're listening and you've been experiencing, um, you know, painful sex, heavy periods, um, digestive problems, any of these things, pain down your legs, whatever, like go and get help for it and that you deserve to live your best life what beck said so where can everyone find you on social media so i to instagram um it's at bex underscore alice underscore um and i'd be so happy to help you along with any questions you might have about diagnosis or anything like that yeah, yeah. thank you so much and thank Pleasure. you everyone for listening thanks mm-hmm.